0: Look, this week, I've had some things that have been stirring in my spirit, but God gave me a few things, and then I had a conversation with Mike this week, and I said, Mike, our people need to hear that. We need to hear that. So I gave him more than five minutes' notice on this <laughs> inside joke for Wednesday night, but uh <laughs> But I asked Mike if he would come and share what God puts on his heart. And we were having a conversation. I just know Mike's going to share whatever it is expanded from that that God gave him. So, Mike, would you just come and share with us? And you all be blessed. How is everybody doing? Um, let me just pray first, and then uh, I'll get started. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is anointed. But, God, I'm the vessel today, God, and I just praise you, God, that you've chosen this moment and Lord, as I step into the very purpose and the calling of God, I thank you, Lord, that your anointing resides upon that. And Lord, let your word, go, Lord, go into our hearts and touch the very crevices of who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so David said we were having a conversation, so I thought about doing something, and I didn't. I had to repent of it. So on a Wednesday night, he was sitting there, and, and it was just, just about two weeks ago. I walked in, and I had no idea anything was about to take place, and suddenly I just was given the floor, just like, boom, Mike, I need you to share. I'm like, what? I didn't come to that, you know, conclusion when I walked in. So it was a little inside joke, and five minutes was really longer than what he gave me, okay? So that was not really truth, real truth. That was a little bit of a skew of the truth a little bit. So it was like about 30 seconds. <laughs> that's that's more like what it was. So, so today, you know. We're asking for repentance, and we'll start at the top first. Anyway, that's a joke. <laughs> We're going to start out with uh, Luke, and it's chapter 23, verse 34. And today I'm going to talk about a few things. I need God's help to be able to open this up and to be able to place it where it needs to be placed. Sometimes you get to subjects that are very um, they're tender. There are moments when they're tender. And then you get to places where people can take things and run with it in a wrong way because of the way things are said. And one truth is projected and another truth is not revealed. So that's, that's where I'm at, and I've asked God to just help me with this right here. But let's read this scripture right here. It says, Jesus, Jesus was at the crucifixion. They were, they were there putting the, those nails in his hand. And in these last moments, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So this scripture right here is very short, and that's the only part I want to really look at, is Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When I looked up this scripture, you can go to blueletterbible.com Blue and look it up in all the translations. This scripture doesn't get altered any. It is the same in every translation, including the amplified version, Okay. I thought that was interesting that that scripture was not given any other interpretation or given any other translation. All the ones that I saw that I looked at, it was all the same. That was interesting to me, and what does that speak to me? That speaks to me that somehow or another, this message right here, he didn't want to change it. He wanted to leave it like it was. Well, when we look at the word father, that word that's in the original Greek there, has, a, it, has it lends itself to parent, So when Jesus spoke to God, he could have have spoken to him in many different ways, but he spoke to him as if he were his father, which he was. That speaks to us on many different levels because in that conversation, you see, you might have a dad or a mom, and they might be a professional. So let's say they're an architect. But when you go and speak with them, how you speak to them determines on what the response is sometimes. So if you go into their office and you're talking about business and stuff is dealing with architectural stuff, the conversation's different. But if you do like the president's son, I know the story has been shared before, but he walked into the office, one of the president's sons walked into the office and they were having a meeting, and suddenly the, the father shut down the meeting for a moment to pay attention to his son. Okay? So it's a difference. And here, when Jesus spoke, he said, Father. He says, Dad. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. The word forgive there, and I am going to try and pronounce it. If I can pronounce it correctly, I've listened to it a half a dozen times, and it still eludes me a little bit. Ephitome, if that's close. I think that's close. The word there, it is, it is actually, the, the English language does not describe that word too good. Okay? So that word has, it was used when Paul was speaking of Christian husbands not sending away, that is divorcing, his unbelieving wife. And that scripture is in 1 Corinthians 7, and it's verses 11, 12, and 13, where Paul is giving the advice that if you come into a place where you're born again, and you're married, you do not send away, or you do not, ephitome, you do not send away. That's what that word means. It means you do not send away your unbelieving husband or wife. Let's look at it another way. You do not divorce your unbelieving husband or wife. Okay? It's a little bit different than forgive when you think about it. When you say, Father, don't divorce them. Okay? Or, let me look at it another way. That's actually not correct. Father, divorce them for they know not what they do. But I'm going to show you something here in a moment about the way that word, that word is used. It says it basically means to send away and was used to indicate the legal repayment or cancellation of a debt or the granting of a pardon. It is used in Scripture to refer to God's forgiveness of sin. Through the shedding of his own blood, Jesus Christ actually took the sins upon the world and upon his head and, as it were, carried them to an infinite distance away from where they could never return. That is the extent of the forgiveness of our trespasses. And what, what this word is really meaning right here, when he said... I want you to get the picture. So humanity is crucifying the Lord. And we, we know in scripture it talks about, it talks about that had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay? But humanity was crucifying. Now the question you got to ask is, and, and we're going to go somewhere with this, I just need to lay some groundwork here because this word right here is going to become very, very important in just a little while. So if I don't lay this groundwork, you'll miss some things. What happened was Jesus was looking from the cross, being nailed to the cross, taking upon himself the very sins of all humanity. And what's happening was, is that these people, these rulers, they were crucifying the Lord of glory. Now, when he spoke to his father in this way, he said, Father. Well, what that tells me is this right here. The word father there means protector. It means one that protects. When, when God came face to face, and if I could help you to visualize this, I believe in my own opinion, okay? Jesus was laying on that cross, and the face of God was standing right in front of Jesus. And, and, and the face of a father seeing his son or his daughter being crucified, what does that demand? It demands justice. It demands justice. And there was a just father standing in front of Jesus. And as Jesus began to look, he saw the Father God. And the Father God began to, began to just begin to turn on the inside. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, he just looks at him and he says, Father, hold on a minute. He says, divorce them for they don't know what they do. The word divorce does not talking about the people is talking about their sins. He said, divorce their sins, Lord. Completely cut yourself off from them. And then he said this, for they do not know what they do. I want you to understand the basis for every single time that you ever forgive anyone of anything is that basis. That's the basis. Let me just give you some examples. There are people that rose up this morning There are young girls that rose up in a household and they got raped and the person that did it knew exactly what he was doing. I can tell you that that person has to come back to this place where they begin to realize that person that did that harmful atrocity, did that harmful crime, has no understanding or knowledge of what the future consequences of that is in regards to their life. The reason why is that they are not God. You see? They're not God. They cannot see into the future and see what they're doing even though what they're doing, they're doing intentionally. There are people that have been murdered. I got a neighbor. Her brother was basically murdered in an altercation. Well, stabbed to death. Right here in Wilson. How would you feel If you woke up one morning and you found out that a family member that you were close to suddenly was taken, their life was taken because of an act of someone else. Let me just share something with you. In this world that we live in, there are things that will happen. You will not always be able to explain those things. You will not always understand why something takes place. Why good things happen to bad people is something that we cannot always explain. You have to set that question aside and not try to use that question in your answer as to how you respond. Because what happens is when you begin to respond as to why something happens, you're always the one that's looking for the answer. You're not necessarily turning to the answer. The only way you can turn and forgive someone that has done these things or done something towards you is to understand this principle. (coughs) This principle is powerful. It's what set me free. I was 25, and I know I've shared this before, but for the sake of those that don't know, I was 25 years old before I ever forgave my own dad. Okay? I'm adopted on my dad's side. That means this right here. i want to explain to you what that means. That means the man that actually brought me into this world, he signed a piece of paper with his name, and he says, for whatever reason, now, okay, I'm not judging what he did. I'm going to share something about that in a minute. <clears throat> for whatever reason, because the reasons didn't make any difference to me, for whatever reason, he signed a piece of paper and says, I do not want you. That's what that piece of paper means to a child that doesn't always mean what happened but to the child that receives that piece of paper it means one thing i do not want you okay the other side of that may have been an 18 year old that was immature and didn't understand what was going on and had too many things on his plate and made wrong decisions and was immature and made a very wrong decision that he could never correct but i didn't see that that was not what i got What I got was a piece of paper that says, I do not want you. I didn't see past anything else because I saw intentionality that was very clear to me. What I was saying to you is this right here. My vision was impaired because of what I saw, not necessarily what was the true picture. The other side of it was, at 25 years old, I was right here at this church And spent time in a classroom when someone was giving their testimony. And I learned something that night that I had never learned before. Forgiveness is a decision. It is not a feeling. It is not something you come to by certain prodding. It is a decision. It doesn't mean that all the feelings will go away that you're incurring. It means you must decide to forgive. And you do it based on this they don't know what they're doing they don't know what they're doing that doesn't mean that their, their 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 intentions were not real it doesn't mean that we don't have murderers that in that decide to murder someone just in sheer evil it doesn't mean that it means they cannot look beyond where they're at and see the eternal things that are going on that's what it means what he was saying here was that these people could not see into the eternities of what was happening. And Jesus knew that. And this is what happened. A righteous God stood in front of Jesus on that cross. And he says, because I'm Father God, and they do this thing, there's an exact punishment for this. And Jesus speaks back to the Father. And, I, and I, you might say, well, why did he even speak? Because him and the Father were having a conversation. Because he needed to release something in the earth. And he said this, he said, they don't know what they're doing. He was telling the father, there is no righteous, there is no righteous indignation that can carry it to the extent of dealing with these people because they do not know. At that point, the father God, as a father, had to realize. Now, can you imagine, just to put it down to where we're at, what if you had a child in your home? He was your child. Maybe you keep a gun loaded. Many of us do. We live in the South. We hunt. We fish. We do a lot of things like that. But what if that child went in there for some reason or another, got hold of the gun, pulled the trigger, and shot one of the other siblings? Is there any justice? And you doing anything to that child? Or is that child completely ignorant of what just happened? Or maybe you had told that child, this gun right here is not for you to play with. Maybe that child had enough knowledge and enough age that he should have known not to mess with the gun, but he did. But you understand that there's something there that is missing. And it keeps you from having some type of justice. Because there is no justice justice to ignorance when a person doesn't know. That's important. Now we're going to dive a little bit. It says that word means to set free, to let go, to release, to discharge, to liberate completely. It says counseling of a debt. I want to read the other part. It says it was used to indicate the legal repayment or cancellation of debt or the granting of a pardon. Jesus did all three. He paid a debt legally that I could not pay. He canceled a debt that I could not muster up enough to be able to pay. And then he granted me a pardon. He did all three. I want to talk to you today in this respect. We're going to describe pride and we're going to give it a definition, but a scriptural definition. Because this is what happens whenever you deal with open wounds. Something that the Lord shared with me a long time ago. He says, he told me one day, he said, open wounds get infected. He said, you don't have to wait for that to happen. That happens automatically. It's by default. If you take a knife and you cut an open wound on your arm or your hand and you leave it long enough, (coughs) it's going to get infected. In other words, the default is is, it's not that it's going to heal up and every once in a while it gets infected. That's not the way that works. You understand what I'm saying? Medically speaking, what happens is open wounds attract flies. And in Scripture, flies are, are basically a type of demonic. They're demonic activity. Flies are demonic activity. But just in the natural, if we could just understand it for a moment in the natural, what happens when flies begin to pitch on an open wound? They're going to drop germs, and those germs are going to be infected. You're going to get infection. Leave it open long enough, and you're going to get infected. Okay? Let me turn to James. I need to describe something before I say something. So. I'm going to give you a scriptural definition of pride, not a Westerner opinion of pride. So in our minds, we look at pride as showmanship. You get someone that's skilled in something, and all they do is talk about how much skill they have, and we look at pride in that light. God does not look at pride in that light. That is only one expression of pride. There are more expressions of pride than just someone having a a spirit of showmanship, and you just get tired of hearing them. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? You just get tired of hearing it. You just want to say, Would you please just, excuse my friend, shut up? I'm tired of it. Okay? It'll push you. It'll push you. But God doesn't look at pride just in that way. In James chapter 4, he says in verse 6, in 4 6, he says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Therefore means you need to find out why it's there. The first verse that says, the first part of that verse, he says submit to God. Go back to the verse, the very first part, it says God resists the proud. Let me say it another way. Proud is not submitting to God. Being proud is, is not submitting to God. I want to say that. That's important that you get that. Because it says here, he says, submit to God. In other words, solve the first part of this verse, which says, God resists the proud. Solve that part. Once you solve that part, once you receive and you submit to God, you solve that part, then you can go and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now I can say something that I couldn't say a while ago. And if you're hearing this condition, please do not take this as an affront. To you, I want to I read you something here. I was going to try to take some notes on it, but I didn't want to do that. This is something that will help prefix what I'm going to say. It says, If we struggle with unhealed wounds, resentment, and bitterness, it is because we have held on to it and not brought it to the Lord. Maybe we never made the conscious choice to hold on to our wounds and bitterness, but the choice not to bring it to the Lord equals the choice to hold on to it. To hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness for whatever reason is sin. The topic of unforgiveness is discussed more in the next chapter. It says, to begin the healing process, we need to repent of all grudges we hold toward other people. We do not need to repent for what others have done to us or the pain that others have caused us to feel. But we do need to repent for holding on to our pain and not forgiving them freely. I understand that it is easy to believe that we have a right to hold on to our unforgiveness when we are so deeply wounded. But that is not the truth. Unless we are willing to first see our own sin of unforgiveness and repent from it, we cannot continue on the road to wholeness. I want to emphasize here that we do not repent for any actions committed against us, but only for our response to those actions. Anytime we hold on to our wounds instead of releasing them to the Lord, we need to repent for it. Anytime we harbor unforgiveness and bitterness towards people we have, we have a, who have abused us, we need to repent for our response to the sin committed against us. I, I, I wanted to read that because the statement that I'm about to make could, could offend someone. Some of the proudest people that you will ever meet in life are some of the most broken people that you will ever find. They're broken. They're broken. They've had a... A daughter that's been raped, or they had a son that was went into the bathroom at the state fair and got molested. Find that parent and I'll show you someone that's broken. And if that person is not in a place where they can hear the truth of God's word, I'll show you again a person that is proud. It is not the showmanship pride that I'm talking about. It is the not submitting to God that I'm talking about. There are many people that live their lives in this world as Christians, but yet they walk in a place of total torment. They walk in that place because there's something in their life that's broken. And when you do not take that to the Lord and let Him work on it, when you step away from that place where you decide, I'm not going to submit. You see, what happened was, what happened was, and this is what I saw before I came into service. You see, my heart is not to tell the person that's broken how good I am that I've not, entered into your place. That's not, that's not it at all. Okay? Let me just share this with you. Unless you have come from an individual circumstances that someone else has endured, you can't really talk about why they made the decisions that they make. Unless you... Some, some people never know what it's like for a father to reject them. They don't ever know. I've met people before I could tell. They never knew what it was like for a father to reject them. Therefore, when I come up and deal with my anger and it goes from zero to a hundred in just a matter of a millisecond, please do not look at my situation and believe that you somehow or another can take me to where you're at. You can't. But what you can do is reframe from being so judgmental on me and help me realize that where I'm at, I need repentance. I need forgiveness. I need to turn it over to Jesus. Because this is the thing. If you take me to that place as if somehow or another I should act like you, you come into a place where you do not even realize your own weakness. Okay? Because while one person might have one weakness... Scripture talks about those that are spiritual, restoring the one that has fallen. It talks about considering yourselves. What is he talking about? He's not talking about considering that somehow or another you might be able to be in that spot. But there's something. There's something. Something. I can go around to this every room right here. Every person, you've dealt with something that got you. Okay? Might not be the same struggle. That's why you can't look at a drug addict. I get frustrated sometimes when I see people that continually do things, that continually hurt their lives, hurt their lives, hurt their lives. And then yet, yeah, I can't put myself there. And David said it so eloquently some one, one time. It's not so much eloquent. But he talked about how a drug addict, they deal with the urge to do the drugs. And the way he put it was, and it was something that stuck out in my head because how I many ever took x Okay, And you know when you take it. There's a moment coming. It don't make any difference what happens. You're going to have that moment. That drug addict is in the same situation. The moment he took that drug the first time, some of those drugs are so addictive, he's going to come back to the moment that he has virtually no control. What are we doing as a church to bring healing and hope and forgiveness to that person? We have to come to the place where we realize that person is there, and yes, they're wrong, but does that take me to the place where I have all this stuff going on and I'm so righteous? No, it don't. It don't. Let me share something with you. Infected wounds portray or see neutral things as negative actives against them. What that means is this. People see things through their wounds. Okay? It works in marriages every single time. Let two people go through a divorce and I can tell you when they get married again, they're going to bring some baggage with them. And the reason why is because... Everything about the new guy that they got or the new lady that they got reminds them about something that they went through and suddenly they see them through the eyes of that experience and now they treat the new person just like they've done the very thing that this other person may have done to them. It happens that way. It happens in every relationship. Let someone take money from you and steal it from you and you're going to find yourself every time you deal with your money, all of a sudden when you're dealing with business transactions, you've got to fight that thing. Because everybody's not a thief. And you don't want to be caught up in that thief thing because it's humiliating. Okay? Been there. Done that a little bit. And I can tell you from my perspective, my wife, my kids, my boys, everybody in my family, I tell you, do not mess with the dollar. Okay? I have to deal with that. Being frank and honest with you. Because, hey, when you're stolen from, when when you're shafted down this thing, and all of a sudden someone steals something from you, and you see your family suffering because you made such a stupid mistake, okay, that thing will whoop on you some. But it's not the only situation. Daughters are not accepted by their fathers. Fathers are not accepted by their fathers. Something happened in the family. The uncle did this, or the aunt did this, or something happened. Whatever it may be, what happens is the moment that that thing is committed against you, you stand there. The moment it happens and the open wound is, a, is there on you, you're in a wall. You're looking at a wall. Okay? Let me ask you a question, and this is an example, and it could be a, a visual example, but I don't have anything to visualize it with. One day I was dealing with this right here in my thoughts, and God was, was talking to me some about it. He says, he says, is it what happens to you? Or is it what you're made of? Is it what happens to you, is it what you're made of? And I got a, a, a glimpse of, if you took a glass, a thin glass, you know, some of the glasses that you buy are really thin. Well, even some of them are pretty hefty. But if you took a glass and throw it up against a brick wall, it's going to break. Almost every time, unless you just can't throw or something, it's going to break. If you took a metal or a plastic one, it's not going to break. Why? The composite materials that are on the inside are different, and they react differently. So let me just share with you. When you go to Jesus and you're saying, Lord, help me with this situation, it's not about what has happened to you. And that's hard, isn't it? Because sometimes things that happen to you are rough. It's about, God, can you teach me how to respond? Because, wow. There is someone being molested raped, killed, car accidents, the list could go on and on and on. There is someone that is in that spot every single day, okay? That does not negate the fact that if you are in that place and the hurt that you're experiencing, that does not somehow or another callous over or put you to a place where you somehow or another just look at it and say, well, that, that really does hurt because that's just telling me that mine don't matter. That's not what that's doing. That's not what that's doing. What that is doing is bringing an understanding we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, folks. This thing is not wrapped up yet. Now, I'm going to cover something here that I think that that I need to say because I've been in those places when my world dropped. Okay? I've been in those places. I was in one just just a very short time ago well, my world just completely dropped. I, I, I can only describe it to you. Have you Have you ever been walking along somewhere or another and everything seems perfect? Nothing is out of order. And all of a sudden, beyond your understanding or knowledge, something happens and you trip and fall. And everything, you just end up on the ground. Okay? old Roberts' wife passed away like that. Walking down through a parking lot with nothing going on out of the ordinary, and she passed away because she fell and hit wrong. All right? But life is like that sometimes. Sometimes you get into a place where everything is perfect, and all of a sudden something happens, and when it happens, you don't have any idea how that event got into your life, and you really don't know how to change anything that's happening. Suddenly you're out of control. This is the moment that you have to reach. Deuteronomy 29.29 talks about the secret things belong to the Lord. And I've I've stated this before, but it needs to be repeated. The word secret there in our Western world, it, it says, okay, Caleb has a secret and he's keeping it from me. That's not the meaning of that word. That's not the meaning of that word at all. The meaning of that word is there are things that are absent on the earth. All things are not revealed on the earth. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why it's not like that. I wish it was different. What I can tell you is, there are some things that are just simply not revealed. At that point, I had to take, and I don't understand why these events came into my life. I don't understand how I could control it, but I do understand one thing. The Bible says that He gives grace to the humble. That's what he says. He says he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Do you understand what grace is? Grace is undeserved. It's not measured out by your performance. He'll measure it out in whatever measurement that you need it to be in so you can walk through the thing that you're going to walk through. The other thing is that I think you need to understand is this right here. There's an absolute truth about God that I hold to. Now, if you are having issues with how you view God, then that's misplaced understanding, okay? And I'm not there to judge anybody on that. But this is the absolute truth right here. And this truth is true, it makes no difference where I'm at. God is good, and He is good all the time. It's not just a saying. It's not just a saying and when i take that truth and i i, I take it and I, I take it into my heart and i say god you are good and you're good all the time and i don't understand why these other things happen i don't understand why come people's daughters are raped and why come somebody woke up this morning and they had an ak-47 to their head and they got their head blown off and the other children were allowed to see it i don't understand those things i don't i don't understand i don't understand why some people make it in certain situations and others don't what i do understand is one simple truth it is the truth of everything that I am he is good he is good all the time every single day of the week he is good when I take that truth the situations that I go through the things that I'm involved in the things that somebody else is involved in comes against that truth and what I can tell you is this right here at that point when I take that truth my circumstances quit dictating who my God is and while we got a lot of people around here in the Christian world. And every time something's up, it's good. And when it's down, it's bad. When bad things happen to good people, I don't know why people get sick and don't get healed. I can't tell you that. I just understand one thing. This Bible right here says He's good. I don't know. I can't sit here and tell you. I can't answer your questions on some things. I only know one single truth. He's good. He is good. And He is not changed. Because He's not changed, when I start looking at who He is, I can start looking at Him who He says He was. You see, we sang that song, He's a miracle worker. I don't know why everybody don't get a miracle. He's a way maker. I don't know why some people don't get a way. I don't. But it, what was the other part? He's a miracle worker, waymaker, promise keeper. I don't know why in some situations it looks like the promise wasn't kept. I don't know. I don't know. But it's who He is that I look at, not what He does. When I start taking my circumstances and start equating them out and try to measure them out according to certain things that are happening or not happening, suddenly I begin to lose my way. But whenever I understand this is who He is, it's who He is. By the way, I'm I'm going to blow your mind on this right here. It'll be something you can think on. So I have a little bit different viewpoint on some things than what I used to have. Let me ask you a question. Can God save a person that doesn't want to be saved and doesn't want to go? Can he take a person that is in total decision-making rebellion and can he take them... Out of that place and put them into a place of heaven without having them be involved in the process. No. So when I look at the the, the this thing, and I'm going to open you up here, I'm not. And I'm going to leave you a little bit too. So when I look at this thing about. Well, Mike, don't you understand that everything that happens is God's will? And that God somehow or another allowed this and God somehow or another was, was 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 His hand was in this and He's working a plan? Let me tell you something, brother. If you believe that, you go right ahead on and believe that. But I've got a truth inside of me that tells me this. God said hell was never created for mankind. But yet, hell is being enlarged on a daily basis because mankind is choosing to go to hell. Let me tell you something right now. It's not God's will that one should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. Yet there's decisions that are made that somehow or another draw a man out of the will of God. So I cannot no longer look at it and say that everything that happens is somehow or another blessed by God. He either allowed it or either he he, he somehow or another instigated it. He's pulling strings over here. He's doing this. I can't say that. I can tell you I don't know. And it's a good answer. There's things that are not on the earth for me to know. But I got what I do know. He's a good God, and He's good all the time. Let me just read some things to you. I want to get some thoughts out to you, and I'm going to to wind this thing down in a few minutes. People who live with wounded emotions will see the things that happen in their lives through their wounds. Even neutral things will look different. People who live with unhealed wounds react to situations with inappropriate reactions. They will interpret the action of others toward them through the wounds they carry inside. Wounds carry over into relationships. Wounds carry over. I'm looking. Yeah. I've seen David do this a thousand times and and I can't find a single one. (laughs) <laughs> he, he probably moved them this morning just on purpose you know but wounds are the way in which demonic forces have a way of transferring and ruining people's lives that are good the open wound it's not the wound that transferred it it's the infection but the infection is going to happen if you don't deal with the wound You see, the fact that something happened to you and it affected you in a very negative way is normal. There's nothing wrong with that. You need to understand that. Your reaction to things that happen in your life is normal. More than likely, it's normal. What happens is, though, is when you don't go to God and submit to God, God says that is proud. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So the man or the woman that resists God ends up without the grace to deal with things. The man or the woman that submits it to God ends up with something. It doesn't mean it's going to be hard. Let me just say this right now. Forgiveness is a decision. Healing is a process. Okay? Emotional wounds don't just snap right back in place. When someone has hurt you, Some people have a hard time understanding forgiveness or unforgiveness because they've never been really hurt by someone that's really close to them. You see, if you don't know me intimately, if you don't know who I am, if I don't have a friendship with you, you might say or do something out there, and the person that's near me might say or do it, and it completely affects me differently. My relationship with whoever has offended me is what brings in the open wound. I want to just share something with you, and I I don't... when I, when I, I thought about Jesus, I've thought about this before. When Jesus was on the earth, the most powerful force of humanity has ever come to the earth. He did miracles. He saw things that happened. He 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 just he he did everything. Do you know there's one place he couldn't do anything about? He went to his hometown, and in his hometown, he could only lay hands on a few sick folks. I didn't understand why until I read. I think it's some. Um, let me find it here. This was an interesting thing for me. Well, okay. I thought I marked it. But in that particular scripture, it talks about they were offended at him. And I realized the offense is what kept the most powerful thing on the earth from operating in that town. They were offended at him. Let me, let me, man, I, mm. why were they offended at him? Because when they looked at him, he was the carpenter's son. He was the son of Mary and Joseph. He was the son, he, they had a perimeter around him based on what they saw. And when suddenly this guy comes forth and he's bring, bringing something that's miraculous, they're like, wait a minute, you're just this guy. This happens all the time. It happens in families. You get labeled with a certain type of demeanor, okay? You get labeled because of your attitude, and then suddenly nobody can look at you and think that God can bring you from that to where you are now, Okay? I've had some of that in my own situation but now I've seen God turn it completely around and family members, they didn't mean to do it. They didn't understand it but family members didn't know somehow or another I was labeled because I was careless, I was reckless, I drove like somebody that didn't have no sense. I I did a lot of things and suddenly I got labeled and suddenly I could never mature and then one day all of a sudden everything turned around. And God brought me out of that thing, and He put me in a place that now, when people, yes, thirteen. So this says because of their unbelief. But when I looked at one, huh? It says offended. Show me. So they were offended at him. Okay, yeah. It says, and his sisters and all they were with us. Where did this man get all these things? It says, so they were offended at him. When they became offended at him, it was the thing that shut down the power. It was the thing that shut down the power. I need to move on, okay? I need to hurry up because I know I need to get to a, a, a different place. People who live with unhealed wounds react to situations with inappropriate reactions. They will interpret the actions of others toward them through the wounds they carry. Hurt people hurt people. You can have relationship situations going on with marriages, father and daughter, father and son, family members. It can all be about, and this is the thing. We were talking this morning and pride in this dimension right here is such a blinding thing because you don't see it. And I'll tell you the reason why you don't see it. You deserve to hurt the way you do. You do. Someone does some things to you, you deserve to hurt. It hurts. If you've lost someone to sickness or you've lost someone to a, a situation or accident or whatever, you deserve to hurt. Because it hurt. It was against what you believed. I go back to Deuteronomy. I don't know. But it does not challenge who my God is. I lost people in my family. Okay? I lost my baby girl. doesn't mean it challenged who my God is. I walk in a place where I understand He is good all the time. I don't have all the knowledge. I don't have all the understanding. But He's good all the time. There's nothing that will take who He is away from me. You have to decide that. That's not a default situation that you end up in. When you're dealing with forgiveness and people that have hurt you, it's not by default you're going to just come out and be this nice little Christian. Oh my goodness, I'm going to forgive you and everything's all right today. You can do it again tomorrow or you can do it again this afternoon and it's okay because I'm going to be the nice little Christian. That's not the way that works. You hurt and suddenly you're dealing with the wall. The only way you can get rid of the wall is to submit. To God. And sometimes that means it's not, a, it's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. You don't need to confuse the, the two. Because I'm telling you, when things happen to you and situations going on, you're not going to feel a lot that's going to change. But you, I can tell you right now, when you make that decision and you make it every single time that you end up in that spot, you say, how many times do I need to make the decision until the wall is gone? It's a determined decision that you make. When dealing with each other, especially with those who are still wounded, we must never forget how gracious the Lord is with us. Keep our own weakness in mind as we deal as well as the goodness of God. Understand you may act the very same way that they reacted if you were coming from their place and you were dealing with their situations, you might not do so much of a better job of it. You might not. You say, well, I'll never be a drug addict. Maybe your dad beat you till you didn't have good sense. And maybe the only thing that you could do was deal with the pain through something that someone gave you. You might not be such a good Christian in that spot. You can talk about how you'll deal with it, but that's only from the advantage point. What if you're not in the advantage point? Come on. How many times do we look at the, those that are broken and we look at their situation, so I just know what they need to do. They just need to trust God. What if it's cancer in your body? What if the doctor come to you and told you, you only have six months to live? I mean... I remember when Miss Elizabeth was going through stuff, and I was like, my heart went out because I'm like, oh my God, you don't think about that. So don't be so critical on where someone is right now. And the other thing is, don't look at their situation and say it's hopeless. Because it's not. It's not hopeless. It don't make any difference to me where they are. It don't make any difference to me. I can't tell you the future, but I will tell you this. Their situation is not hopeless, it's not helpless. It's just not. Let me just share with you a, a, a little concept here. Anybody put bananas and, and apples together? Have you ever done that? And what does it do? They ripen. Am I right? Maybe you don't know this. If you take apples and bananas and put them in 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 an environment where they're together, close proximity, there's a science behind it. They release a gas. That gas causes both of them to ripen faster. It accelerates the ripening, okay? There's a science behind it. Some people are, when they're broken, they end up with that type of effect, the banana-apple effect. No matter where they are, their situations just keep on coming out. So what happens is, they're blinded to the fact that they're broken, and their brokenness is what causes them to be a candidate for whatever is coming wrong their way. So anytime they get around something, it's always the negative that comes to them. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. The same two bananas that you place over here, and they ripen and they're eaten, it's the same two bananas that if you place them over here and you leave it there too long, they rot. Did you get that? They rot. They ripen to the point that they rot. I want to go back to that wall. Everybody's going to come up to that wall. Everybody. It might not be the same wall that I come up to, but you're going to come up to a wall. It might be a mama or dad. It might be something that's happened that you don't have any idea how it happened or what the situation is. But I'll tell you something, if you stand there in front of that wall long, if you don't figure out that you need to submit to God, you're going to find yourself going past the place of ripening to the place of rotting. Okay? Let me go. Wounded hearts open the door for the enemy. Healed hearts are a closed door to the enemy. Ignore emotional wounds and the progression looks like this. Unforgiveness, resentment, and it's progression. Desire for revenge, bitterness, and hatred. Wounded people blame others for their misfortune. Wounded people blame others for their misfortune. Now I'm I'm going to, this whole thing right here. When I say this, I want you to keep in mind that you could be in that person's spot. Okay? When I make this statement. There's a balance here. And it says this. is we don't help those who have become bitter by just sitting and listening to them. We don't help them by just sitting and listening to them. We must bring them to a place of understanding that they can be helped. We don't need to become the trash can for people's bitterness. That's what happens sometimes when people get wounded and then it progresses down to certain stages. Suddenly, every time I've been there so I'm saying this with my heart. Every time you're around them, it's about their better place. And it's like it just spews out. We must be touched by their needs. But it is a false and impure compassion if we just listen to others and not lead them to look closely at their hearts for repentance. Man, there's a many a counselor that got in that spot. They they said and they listened to the bitterness but had no way to lead them to repentance. That does not mean that you have to jerk them through repentance. But you must lead them. You must help them find a way where they understand they're lost in their thoughts. Their thought process is lost because wounded. there's wounded. There's infection in their wound. Do you understand what I'm saying? But somehow or another, some way, you got to be able to take that person to a place where you're not their trash can and you're not coming under condemnation because somehow or another you have this impure compassion false, and impure compassion that you should be just a sounding board for every person that has a problem. Now, let me just say this. Broke people love to listen to broke people. They find the common ground and suddenly the justification as to why they're there becomes their platform. I can listen to you as long as I'm not in the same situation to you and I don't sit there and allow that to become our only existence of conversation. It's to justify where you're at and then you're going to justify where I'm at and suddenly we're going to be just two peas in a pot and we're never going to help one another. Uh-uh. You can't do that. You cannot allow that. I'm going I'm to be through, y'all. One of the myths about Wounded people. I've heard this one. Time heals all wounds. Time don't heal anything. Time doesn't have a healing agent in it. It doesn't have a healing agent. I had a family member that's passed away right now. And I I will refrain from telling you anything else other than that. But this individual... And it's something that I've seen in families, not just mine but others. This individual could be in a spot where you could be talking and everything would be great and all of a sudden you would mention another person's name that something had went wrong with and all of a sudden that person would leave emotionally where they were and go back to the very moment that they were originally offended. I saw that time and time and time and time again. I finally realized what it was. It was an open wound. It never healed. Up until just a few months before she passed away, I think everything was fine. But it was still healing. It started healing. Because after a while, you just start to think something's got to change, you know. But this person though, what I noticed was just right here. It went from emotions to justification. To revenge, to bitterness, to hatred. It just went down that progression. Okay? Forgiveness is a choice, but healing is a process. And let me just say this right here. You don't ever get to enjoy the process of healing until you made the choice. You don't ever get to enjoy the process of healing until you made the choice. Forgiveness is a form of death. Because you're going to die to the very act of understanding that somehow or another you have a place to where you can justify and have a platform for feeling the way you do. It's a form of death. This word that I talked to you about, it it is um, 52 times in the scripture it's, it's, um, it's translated as leave, 47 times as forgive, 14 times as suffer, Eight times is let. Six times is forsake. And six times let alone. Okay? It's all about letting go of that place. I want you to understand what happened on that cross was Jesus set a, he set a pattern for forgiveness. And when I, when I forgave my dad for that piece of paper, And by the way, I want you to understand, what I told you about me was my perspective. It wasn't everything. It was only what it did to me. Okay? It took me years to figure that one out. Because I sat in that place where it was all about me because of all the pain that it it demonstrated in my life. But this is the thing. If you're the offender or if you're the offended, both need to come to Jesus and allow God to work. And this is the other thing I want to say, I haven't covered this a whole lot, but if you're in that spot where you've been the person that has been the intentional, intentionality of offending someone, and you were the person that committed some atrocity or or, or whatever, and you kind of knew, you know, because what happens is once you get hurt, you hurt. Once you get hurt, you hurt people. You don't realize it, but you do. What happens is if you're that person, you can be forgiven for where you're at in that spot. And if you decide that somehow or another God cannot forgive me because of all the wrong things I've done, then you have just entered into pride, a scriptural definition of pride, because the Bible says to submit to the Lord. is to, If you do not submit to the Lord, it's pride. So if you believe that your sins are greater than the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice, that's called pride. It doesn't mean you're a showmanship It means you're stepping into a place where you're not submitting to God. And we all have our reasons as to why we don't submit to the Lord. Sometimes it's too much risk. Sometimes it costs too much here. Or sometimes it's because of this. Or you don't want to face this individual. It doesn't make any difference. I don't care why you're in that spot. If you get to the place where you do not turn over to God, turn over to God, whatever it is you're dealing with, that is called scripturally pride. Okay? I'm going to close I know I need to hush. I'm going to just give you one more little thing here, and then we're going to stop. You remember the uh, the guy that owed so much debt? He went to his king and he begged him and says, "Lord, just give me some time, and I'll pay him." Okay, and then later on, when he got he got some uh, reprieve, he basically got completely let go of his debt. Um, there's a lot of math equations out there that are talking about that how much it was and everything. I like this one. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just going to share it with you, but it kind of illustrates my point, and it was something I actually researched out. So the guy that came to his king, he says, Lord, I owe you all this money, and I I can't pay it. He says, just give me time, and I'll pay it. And the king looked at him and had some compassion on him. And what he did was he forgave him of the debt. The word forgave there is that same word. He divorced him from the responsibility of that debt. Okay. What happened was, he leaves. He leaves and goes out and finds somebody that owes him a lot less. I'm going to give you the numbers in a minute. Soon as he finds that person, he throws him up against the wall and chokes him and says, you got to pay me. And some other guys look at him and says, wait a minute. He just went to this guy and got this forgiveness, and here he is demanding. Okay? So, the first guy that went to his king and needed forgiveness only owed $10,000. Okay? He was a businessman. $10,000 wasn't a lot of money for him to pay because, no, I'm sorry. The first guy that went to the king, let me retract. Back up. Back up. We'll erase that part. And the first guy, the servant, went to his king and he says, I owe you this money, but I don't have, I, I don't have it. Just give me time. He owed him, we got it right here. $6 billion. The other guy that he choked and put him up against the wall and says, you got to pay me, owed him $10,000. Okay. What is the point of that whole story? They called him a wicked servant. Why was, it called, why was he called a wicked servant? All he was trying to do was get what was paid him. Why did he feel like anybody owed him anything when somebody just forgave him for six billion dollars? Okay? The word wicked servant there has a, it has a meaning to it that's interesting. In order to be able to do that, this is what you're doing. It is an active evil, a grievous, a tormenting servant. It is one that actively puts grief and torment and torture upon a person. That's why Jesus called him the wicked servant. Now, this is what happens. It says, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. The word begged there means to call to one's side, hence to call to one's aid. He said, Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And this master was angry and delivered him to the tormentors. Until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother for his trespasses. What is he saying here? You open the door to tormentors in your life. Why did why did why did he why did he put him in he said he he put him in the place of tormentors he put him in the place of jail he put him in jail why did he do that because he stopped the wickedness. He had to stop the wickedness toward the servant that owed the little. What happens is, if we don't realize it, we actually open our doors up to things to stay in our lives because we're trying, we're looking at the other guy and we're looking at the drug addict or we're looking at the guy that's here and there and we're saying, okay, y'all guys can stand. We're fixing the clothes. You say, well, I think I know why you're there and I have all the answers, and really we don't. Okay? Today is a very somber thing. I want you to take it home. I'm not going to take time to, to go any further in this right here. I, I just need to hold up. Um, I just want you to understand that if you're broken here, my heart is not trying to tell you how you need to do things. What I'm trying to tell you is it is normal for you to come up against a, a barrier and for the wound to be open. Also, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that if that wound doesn't heal, infection will come. And when infection comes, it runs rampant into a human body, just like in the natural. And i got to say one more thing, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this, okay? And I'm sorry. But David had an experience out here at the church one time. He very lightly touched and put something in it was a pair of scissors, okay? He just hit his thing and just broke the skin a little bit. And from that, he let it go. And it wasn't long before he had a streak running up his arm. And he had to go to the hospital and get it straightened out. So sometimes little things that you let go are major major p- players in what you're dealing with. So sometimes it's not the major things that mess you up. Sometimes it's the small things. Someone hurts your feelings and you don't know how to go to it. You don't know how to solve it. What I'm telling you is this right here. Don't Don't The relationship between what happens to you and where you end up sometimes is lost because you're not giving yourself the moments that you need to be able to submit things to God. Okay. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for them taking this Word, God, and beginning to do something with it in their hearts, Lord. Let it change our lives, Lord. Let it bring us, Lord, a compassion on those that are broken. But, God, let it also deliver a message to our hearts, God, that if we're broken, Lord, that we know how to come to you and say, Lord, would you just help me? Would you just help me? Lord, help me to submit everything to you, God, in prayer and in dedication. In Jesus' name we pray. Y'all guys have a great afternoon.